Hello, my name is Wayne Jones. Welcome to the My Sam Johnson podcast. This week's episode is called, What Was Sam Up To As A Gen Z? And as usual, the title reflects what I talk about in my blog about Sam Johnson as well. And that blog is at mysamjohnson.com if you want to take a look at it. Uh, I thought what I'd do this time is something a little different and uh, slightly self-indulgent perhaps entirely self-indulgent, perhaps TMI-level self-indulgent. But anyway, I thought what I'd do is uh, uh, what the blog talks about is basically what Sam was up to in his early 20s, which was a time when he was still living at home and had not quite moved on with his life, uh, which is probably a common circumstance that uh, a lot of people uh, can relate to. And I thought what I'd do is uh, give you an idea of what I was up to in my early 20s. And uh, there, it was an interesting time. When I, look back, uh, when I look back on it, at the time, there were aspects of it that were pretty horrendous. Uh, but when I look back on it, I see it as a very formative time and a very, and I know that sounds very fruity in a way, but uh, uh, I, I remember a lot of details from that that period when I was in my early twenties when, and when I was in a very similar situation, I had, uh, finished university, uh, and yet I hadn't moved on to working, you know? So you were sort of in that, I was in that in between period. And, um, um, I personally often find transitions are sort of the, in a certain way, the hardest part of, of life, not hard in the sense that you can't get over them, but those are the, the transitions really that challenge you and, you know, moving from A to B. Uh, if you can eventually get into A and be excited about starting it, you can eventually get into B and be excited about starting it and you can get quite used to it after a while. But that movement where you take the step from A to B can be, uh, overexcited, uh, frightening, uh, you know, apprehensive. You, there's, there's a lot of uh, negative things about it. But when I look back, I have some very, uh, very uh, uh, vivid memories of what, what happened. Um, it turns out that basically one of, the, one of the things that I had done was that I had just completed uh, a master's degree at the University of Toronto on the subject of Sam Johnson. So I had, uh, I did this, uh, my MA, uh, during the course of a year, I sort of compressed it, uh, at the university of Toronto. And the topic was a study of Johnson's rambler. So I did two, basically the study I did was, was if I could put it in grand terms part of it was bibliographical and part of it was rhetorical uh and if i can put that in plain english what i was getting at was that i was trying to people often talked about the rambler but and that it was in a what they call a folio edition the first edition anyway which was a very large would very large uh uh size and basically i what i determined which 
apparently had not, never really been discussed in scholarship was how it was put together. And I'm forgetting now a little bit, but I believe it was that it was basically a folded uh, folio with another sheet inserted. I think that's the case. And um, and I used uh, uh, what they call watermarks and countermarks in the paper to examine those. I examined those in order to make those determinations. It was all kind of fun, and this was all very new to me sort of thing. I had a thesis advisor, of course, uh, helping me along, um, and, and that was great. And I, I earned an MA out of the University of Toronto out of that. And after that, I didn't, somehow I had it in my head that uh, I didn't want to work in an office. I don't know what, <laughs> what I imagined else I would be doing. You know, would I be working in the forest felling trees or working an oil rig or something? I, I don't know, but I had it in my head that I wouldn't. So I, um, it probably, I don't know, if I were to speculate, it was probably that I imagined it would be, boring maybe from watching television you know people in offices sort of sat at desks and moved papers around and stuff like that it didn't seem either very interesting or very uh intellectually engaging maybe that was what it was I don't know but I did have that in my head <laughs> so uh the 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 downside of that uh so to speak is that I decided to just find work. I was stayed in Toronto. I was in Toronto at the time. And I, the unfortunate thing was that it was right at a very deep recession that Canada and the world was in. So it was virtually impossible to find a job. Uh, you know, I, I was, I mean, COVID, it's hard to judge during COVID times, of course, because you know, the, the whole economy has been screwed up in a certain way, but, you know, during normal times, pre COVID and hopefully after COVID, um, uh, you know, you can usually, you often see signs in stores that say, uh, help wanted, or, uh, you know, you can go to the local pizza joint and get a job there doing something or a restaurant or a, a retail store, for example, that kind of thing. But I remember during this recession, uh, this would have been the early 80s, the early 1980s. Uh, I need to specify it wasn't the 1880s. It was the 1980s. Uh, <laughs> but the... Um, it, there was absolutely nothing available. So I worked for this firm, I remember very well, called Prime Temporary Help Services. And their main office was at the corner of uh, Queen Street and Parliament Street in Toronto. But I, um, I uh, you know, basically what I would do would take the, the streetcar from Queen Street uh, near Dufferin, which is near where I lived, uh, at very early in the morning. And the idea was that the earlier you got down there, the better chance you had of getting a job that day. And these would be basically companies, uh, a lot of manufacturing and production and stuff like that, uh, that just needed a, some body during the day to because there was a special project or because they had an ongoing thing and they didn't want to pay any benefits kind of thing but uh, I got paid 350 an hour from prime and often prime as I understood anyway got from the employer and, and you know I don't 
begrudge the fact that they had to make money out of this too. They were providing me with a service. Uh, they made 10 or $15 an hour or so, but I remember very clearly making $3 and 50 cents an hour. Um, and, uh, so I would get down to the office and when I started there, you just sort of sit around. Basically there was this large room with, it was almost all men. If, if not all men, basically sitting around this large room, I think it maybe had a capacity of about maybe 30 or 40 men kind of thing. And you just sit and wait, uh, you know, you'd sign up, you, I would have signed up at the window and I just wait for my name to be called and I would go wherever they told me to go kind of thing. And I ended up working a lot of different jobs, everything from, uh, uh, you know, I worked in a, a steel plant. I worked in, you know, as, as a help, uh, delivery help guy delivering flour and other ingredients to bakeries. I worked at the place where McDonald's made their quarter pounder patties. I worked one of my favorite <laughs> favorite is in scare quotes was the one where I, I worked in a, it was a detergent factory, I guess. And my job was, and <laughs> I was all solo up there, but basically there would be, you know, down on the floor, there would be the detergent line where they were boxing it basically. So, you know, there'd be boxes going along and being filled and people would be packing them in boxes. I was the dude up, up one level with bags of detergent surrounded by it and I was sitting on a stool and I was making sure to cut open the bags and feed the bags into the chute so that there would be detergent that people could put in boxes and the the thing I remember is that I would sort of come out of it was a very solitary job you would get a break of course and then I would have a be able to see who I was working with kind of thing uh, but I remember ending up, you know, you'd end up basically with detergent up your nose and everything. It was, it was, it was a kind of a weird job in a way, but I did a lot of stuff like that. I got sent all over the city and what, what eventually happened was that, uh, you know, I was a good worker. I showed up on time. I did my job. Uh, I didn't make any trouble. Uh, you know, so you know, that's the kind of worker that Prime would want. So they they would send me out. Uh, I To make a long story short, basically, it got to the point where I didn't need to go down to the office. And the job that I ended up doing, and this wasn't, this is, I ended up, I was doing this for, I think it was a year, maybe even less than a year, uh, for good reason. <laughs> and uh, I, the job I ended up doing was working at a lumber yard that was actually just walking distance from where I lived. So I would get up in the morning and basically it was lumber to be piled. So it was basically this place where there was, uh, you know, two by fours and other side, other sizes of wood. And I'd be working with another man on the other side and we would be uh, piling them up basically. And I think they either had just come out of a kiln oven or they were about to go into. I can't remember the detail now about about that. So that became, in a certain way, it turned into a very regular job. I would just go there every day uh, and, uh, um, you know, eventually get my check from Prime and uh, everything was fine. So uh, the, the couple of two details I do really remember was that 
uh, and maybe this is no surprise. I didn't have any money. Like I never, you know, I was poor basically. And, uh, so I remember that I didn't have enough for a winter coat. And I remember, and it was quite, I would have to get down when I was starting, I would have to get down at Queen and Parliament, uh, you know, around, I think it was around six o'clock or something. And from where I lived, that was a good, I don't know, 15 to 20 minutes, maybe 25 minute, uh, streetcar ride. So I had, I was standing at the streetcar corner at five 30 waiting for it to come, uh, with a denim jacket and a very thin, um, kind of, you know, a pullover insulator thing that over that, uh, you know, no, no down, no wool, no anything like that. So it was pretty cold there in the waiting, but I do remember that you, you did get a chance of seeing, I had a chance of seeing people who had it worse off than I did, because I remember on that queen car ride, as I rode over to parliament street, uh, there was just before, I can't remember where exactly, but at one of the corners, there was a woman living on the street under a blanket. So, uh, it's a good, it was a good lesson in the fact that everything is pretty relative. Uh, I was getting paid for a job and I had my own little, um, bachelor apartment and everything like that. She had a blanket she could live under, um, and was probably panhandling during the day. So, uh, you know, everything is relative, as I say. The other thing is that making so little money, uh, I had to shop very carefully for groceries. So the one thing I remember was that there was this large, um, um, it wasn't a department store, but it was a, a and it was not quite a whole, quite a wholesale store, but stuff was cheap in there. It was a huge big place so I could get for example white bread and uh, I remember wieners for very very cheap I think it was three loaves of bread for a dollar and wieners were whatever kind of thing and that was one of my staple foods was basically wiener sandwiches you basically boil two wieners you cut them in half you put them on the bread you put mustard on it and you've got yourself a sandwich and I uh, I ate my share of those at the time i guess basically in a way it's in a different shape like a deconstructed hot dog basically but uh, i ate a lot of those during the time so i remember that super well i mean that was a very imprinting experience uh in my in my life so eventually what happened was that i uh stopped doing that (laughs) because uh, I remember one of the jobs I remember that I had, uh, was that, uh, there was a, uh, a train car full of, uh, what do you call it? Powdered milk. And the job that I had with another person was to take the bags, you know, the big flower size bags, uh, I don't know, uh, 20, 15 kilograms or whatever, Maybe it wasn't kilograms back then. Maybe they were 30-pound bags. I don't know. but uh, And move them out of the car, I think, or into the car. I can't remember. But the guy I was working with was um, was a journalism 
was a, a, a major or, or whatever, or had worked as a journalist, and this is the life that he ended up to. And I remember him joking that, that we were probably the two best educated guys at the time in the city who were uh, 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 loading up a train full of bags of powdered milk, <laughs> which no doubt was true. So... <laughs> Eventually, I stopped doing that, and uh, I, I went to uh, what we used to at the time call library school, which is probably more these days called information school or iSchool, for example. Uh, often, there's no library even mentioned in it, but uh, at the uh, I was accepted at the University of Toronto. I ended up either I ended up turning that down, and um, I ended up doing my what's called my Master of Library and Information Science degree uh, during the year 1984 at what was then called the University of Western Ontario, now called Western University. And uh, that basically was a very good certification to have. You know, I, I always think of it as sort of, uh, you know, you talk about a carpenter getting his papers or an electrician getting his certification or something. Uh, it basically qualified me for go work in libraries um, uh, who generally sometimes they have a, a diploma from a college like uh, Algonquin College in Ottawa or sometimes they have nothing. Sometimes they have a uh, high school, for example, and they've just got the job there. And then the other category is basically, you know, what are often referred to as professional librarians. These are people who have a master's degree in, again, what was called information science when I was studying it. But basically, they'd have a master's degree in, usually these days, it's called information studies or something like that. And these are the professional librarians. These are the people. And, and I, you know, I didn't in a certain way know what I was doing at the time I didn't think of a career or anything like that I didn't think that this would lead I, I, I had no idea what it would lead to and uh, the reason I was interested in it the reason I I, I started uh, library school at the time was that while I was doing my MA on Sam Johnson I got very interested in a bibliography and basically men books as physical objects and I saw that in uh, library science for example there was a sort of a sub-discipline called cataloging and I thought I'd be very interested in that and that's basically how it happened that was my attraction and in, in fact my first uh, job that I ever got which was in uh, September of 1985 my first full-time job at the National Library of Canada was as a cataloger of what were then called everything changes what were then called serials which are basically journals and magazines and stuff like that but the terminology has changed now to be more kind of comprehensive um, and uh, that was my first job, and uh, that basically, you know, provided a career for me. That one year that I spent at library school in Western, at Western, uh, was able to, you know, uh, basically give me a career that I had for over 30 years. So I'm very grateful for that. Uh, 
as probably for anyone's story, you know, I strongly believe that uh, anyone's story is 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 very interesting and compelling if people were to tell it, uh, especially when they're going through transitional times and that sort of thing. Um, uh, you know, it it really was was very uh, vital. Uh, the, the the this 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 paper that I ended up getting. And it, uh, you know, the other part of it, I would say, and again, this will sound a little advicey, but uh, it's also important to work hard. You know, uh, I always <laughs> often would tell people, you know, the imp- one of the most important things that you can do in a job is do whatever your boss tells you to do. And that, that can, that's a good practice. So, <laughs> and I did that for, uh, for, 99% of my career. So, uh, uh, it, that, uh, that was, uh, that was interesting. So, uh, and now, uh, here I am, uh, I'm at the end. I'm actually, this is, uh, September 24th that I'm recording this. I'm actually in the last week or about to compense the last week of my work as a professional librarian, I officially retire on October 1st, uh, this October 1st, a week from now, and I will no longer be a librarian. My career there will be over. I currently work at, you know, what you're listening now is partly what I work at. I don't work. I do, I do, you know, what I would like to do. And this is one of the things that I really like doing. So what I basically do is, um, I have this, uh, I'm writing a book about Sam Johnson, as you should know by now, if you've been listening to these podcasts, uh, I do a blog about Sam Johnson, uh, in support of the book. I do this podcast in support of Sam Johnson. Um, and I also do freelance editing and mostly I do that because I really like editing during the course of my, uh, my years as a librarian, I edited a lot of books by which I mean, I put together collections. So someone would, you know, a publisher would say, uh, we want a book on, uh, you know, latest trends in electronic journals kind of thing. And basically I would be the whatever developmental editor. And I would, by that time, I ended up with contacts, you know, that I knew and people I knew who were experts in this or that flavor of electronic journals, say, and I would contact them and ask them if they would like to contribute an article to the uh, to the book that I was I was going to be the editor of. And I, I did that for probably half a dozen books or more. And I also did a lot of other writing and editing. I wrote lots of articles. I wrote some book reviews. Uh, I did peer review for journals. I was the editor of, of a couple of, um, a couple of non-library journals. Uh, I had a column in a, uh, in a, in a library journal. So I was always very interested. I mean, it basically, you know, I was using, I've always been interested in writing. It's something I've been doing since I've been a teenager and I was wanting to practice that in my career as well. So 
that's a long way to go, as they say in stand-up comedy, to get to the to telling you that the other thing that I do in my retirement is uh, I'm a freelance editor, and I really, really enjoy that, and I get to work with a lot of... Uh, I have the luxury of basically choosing to do whatever I want to do. I don't need to, you know, uh, be scouring clients because I need the money kind of thing. You know, uh, I can sort of choose what I'm doing. Uh, and I really, really enjoy that. So that's, that's, uh, that's been a lot of fun. And the other thing I've started recently is yet another podcast, um, called my sex year. And, uh, uh, basically it's about, uh, an experience I had about meeting this guy named Albert who, uh, told me about, uh, his experience, his experience with, uh, sex workers basically. And, uh, I, it was really fascinating. And, uh, I, so I, so I've started a blog on that or not a blog, a podcast on that called my sexier, which you can find, as they say, wherever you find podcasts, you can find it there. So, uh, take a look at that as well. Very, very, very different. Uh, to say the least from what I'm doing now, uh, uh, you know, writing a book, but something I'm very interested in. I've always been interested in, for example, some of the uh, blog postings that I wrote about uh, the 18th century in support of the book had to do with uh, sex work in the 18th century. Uh, very, in, I'm, I'm interested in that topic. I mean, it's the same way I'm interested in, for example, you know, how did people eat or bathe or... Um, uh, you know, get their shoes made or get clothes in the 18th century. I'm very interested in that kind of thing. I don't care so much about wars that were fought and stupid politics and stuff, but uh, sort of the practicalities like that, you know, uh, how they slept, uh, you know, uh, what the beds were like, all that kind of thing. I'm interested in that. And I'm also interested in the... Uh, the um, I was going to say seedier, but I actually strongly support uh, sex work as a profession and uh, believe that it should be decriminalized and all that. And and as as the as the slogan goes in sex work, sex work is work. You know, it's basically uh, providing a service that a lot of people object to, and a lot of for a lot of religious and moral and all sorts of other reasons. But that's not the way most sex workers feel about it. So basically, that's a lot to say about the fact that uh, I'm also doing that because I'm interested in it. it uh, this has been, believe it or not, a a a uh, podcast called "What Was Sam Johnson Doing When He Was a Gen Z." Uh, so I hope uh, at least you took some information, and there were some tidbits about my own life that were uh, interesting. Again, this is a weekly podcast that I do called My Sam Johnson. Uh, I really appreciate your listening, uh, and uh, I'll talk to you again next week. Take care.